Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you in-depth conversations with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to B. D. Wong, the actor familiar to film and TV viewers for his roles in Oz, Law and Order SVU, Mr. Robot, Gotham, and the Jurassic World franchise. Got his start in the theater, winning a Tony Award as Song Li Ling in the original production of M. Butterfly. He's back on stage in Lauren Yee's new play, The Great Leap, now at Off Broadway's Atlantic Theater Company, and he's here in the studio to talk about basketball in Beijing. As well as dinosaurs, Batman, and the mysterious White Rose. Hi, BD. Thanks for joining me. Of course, happy to be here.、Um, uh, as I was saying to you, we just—I just saw the Great Leap last night, and I really enjoyed it. It's for listeners who haven't seen it yet. It's about an international basketball game between the University of San Francisco and Beijing University, and it's set against the tumultuous backdrop of Beijing in 1989.、Um, yes. What was it about the play that you really responded to, and that made you think you wanted to be a part of it? I.、Um Was just becoming familiar with Lauren's work, Lauren、mm-hmm. Yee, the playwright's work,、um, when this play was offered to me, and I, I really kind of examined it very closely because I really was curious and interested in her work and what which which she really looked like she was kind of exploding on the playwriting scene, and I was really wanting to be a part of that, and so I read it with great. Hopeful expectation, and I really responded to the role. I, I I think I responded more primarily to the role、yeah. and to the the roles, the the, the characters'、uh, role in the、right. the play, which、right. I thought was really skillfully written,、yeah. uh, moving and funny.、Tell、which are the things that I'm always looking for is is a balance, a really good balance between funny and moving,、yeah. which is、um, not that easy to find.、Uh. And tell us about that role. Tell us about the character you played and what specifically you that really got you.、Um, well, the character is the character of a.、Uh, well, we, it takes place over the years、uh, in two periods, actually, 1971 and 1989. So, in 1971, he is a young、uh, translator,、um, or he's a young. He's actually a young、um, person during the Cultural Revolution who has been kind of taken.、Um, Uh, he has been kind of、uh, 
uh, encouraged by the the Communist Party to work as a translator, or they take they've taken him in to, to, to and pressed him into service as a translator because this big um, uh, this American um, basketball coach is coming to teach the Amer- the Chinese basketball team how to play. This is in 1971. Right. And um, to make a long story short, he. In 1989, they're reunited for a big a basketball game that is between the coach's current team and um, the the Beijing team as they as it has evolved. Coached by and your character. Coached yeah. by my right. now coached by my character yeah, because he right. starts as a translator and then he gets pressed into service against right. his will as a coach and is a coach and that's what he's doing and. It's kind of um, one of the really specific aspects of the play is an understanding of how a person is a um, pawn of the Communist Party and how one doesn't really have much of a choice. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the climax of the play and the, 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 the weight of the play hinge on this big game that happens in the second act of the play. Right. And uh, all of the characters in the play... Uh, uh, Approach this game with a different point of view, and and their stories in relationship to this game and what the play is about. Right. And so, for you, your character specifically, what was it in the character that uh, you really responded to? Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I have no problem describing to you that when you read a play as an actor, you're approaching it. From a point of view of whether you think you can do it or not, whether you think it's in your wheelhouse, whether you think it's something that you'll be good in, and will because it's a play, will enjoy. You need to enjoy it more in a play than you do in a television show or in a film. I think because and you do it n- night after because night. Because you have to do it every night yeah. uh, uh, repeatedly, and you want to be a hundred percent behind it. You really want to want to tell that story. You can be in a in another kind of project where the camera's rolling and not like it that much, but you can get it together for the one time that the camera's rolling when they are shooting it. Um, not that that has happened to me a lot at all, but that is a, is a truth. And, and so um, I responded to my fantasy of how I might be in this part, to be quite honest. I thought he was, there was an opportunity for a certain amount of humor, and I thought there was a certain amount of um, there's a there's a kind of um, what's the word? It, it, there's a kind of a, a way that the audience responds to him. They 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 kind of are rooting for him in a way and really feeling for him in a way. And I really liked that. I, of course, who doesn't want to be that guy in the play? <laughs> um, so I I responded to it and wanted to do it. My agents had said, you know, I don't we don't know whether or not this is the play you need to do to. Uh, since you haven't done a play in a while, right? And I said, I do. I think it is actually. Mm-hmm. And they were they were they were kind of softball, uh, lowballing me with it. And I said, No, I think this is the play I really want to do now. And so I went after it, and it, and I was right. really really happy that I did. I think it's turned out beautifully. I think the production is really handsome. I think Atlantic Theater, which is riding high in a wave right now, yeah, from absolutely. the Tony Awards, yeah, and the um, the, the band's visit, which they also produced. Right is a really good theater that really did a really handsome job and has a, has a really wonderful little second stage. Yeah, which is where the show is. Yeah. yeah. And I really have liked that. I love um, the opportunity to play an intimate play in a smaller space that has a, a kind of size to it as well. There is a kind of emotion to the play and a sweep of the time going by that is theatrical, yeah. but this particular production uh, is is in a very small scale, and it's really beautiful that way. Yeah. 
um, it's, true. it's the very playing intimate. space is very small. Like yes. You guys are right on top of each other, yes. and we, the audience, are right on top of you guys, right? Yeah, and it's great that way. It's really uh, fun. It's challenging because you can see the audience much better than you can usually see them, and you don't always want to, to be quite <laughs> honest. Yeah. Um, and but and so that makes it challenging. It's you're easily. I'm easily distracted. Because, by yeah, I was going to say because it's distracting. Yeah. Yeah. People, uh, you know, not behaving well in the theater is a big pet peeve of mine. And, sure. and so, you and Patty Lapone. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I, I totally relate to her ire. Yeah. And anyway, um, it is a but it is a beautiful and I think it's a rare opportunity to see a play with the actors up close in this way, where you can see their um, technique or their what they're doing in their performances from every seat in the house. And this play uh, not only goes back and forth between time periods, 71 and 89, but also between Beijing and San Francisco, which yeah. is your hometown. Which is my hometown, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, that, that played some kind of a role in it. Lauren and I are both from San Francisco. We'd never met before. I had started to hear her name over and over and over again in re recent years, and I really wanted to be... Uh, I really wanted to kind of uh, collaborate with her. And uh, the bond of being from San Francisco is really great. People from San Francisco tend to be kind of snobby about being from San Francisco, and and I'm no exception to that. And there's a so there's a pride to it. But all the references in the play about San Francisco are are meaningful to me. You mentioned that uh, this was the first play you've been in for a little while. You you do always tend to come back to the theater. Um, why why is the theater why is the theater a thing you come back to? And why was now the time to do it for you? Well, the I mean. Having said all that, you know, I mm. do do a play every other year or so. I just do a regional yeah. play, and I don't do it in New York. So right. what it was really kind of meaningful professionally for me was to do a play in New York and I to choose the right one to yeah. do in New York yeah. because you're kind of setting yourself up for getting raked, you know, across the coals if you don't choose wisely. Yeah. So... Um, However, the, was the, the last answer, one Orphan of Zhao? The for last you? one was that Orphan was, of Zhao. And that was and, at ACT in San Francisco and La Jolla, is that right? That's okay. right. Thank right. you. Yeah. Thank you for your, 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 your diligent Googling. I, I mean, um, <laughs> I, I love that play, actually. I think that. I, don't, I didn't see that production, really but I nice love that play. play. A very nice play. Also, yeah. a very satisfying emotional experience. Yeah. And also, I was able to perform in my hometown, which was great. Yeah, also but, nice. but, but the reason is because I think, I mean, I, I, it will be no. It won't surprise anyone for me to try to describe that when you go back to the thing that originally um, interested you, um, you're always feeling at home. Mm -hmm. And it was the theater that drew me into being a performer in the first place that really made me kind of feel um, like it was the first thing that I was good at that I could, could actually try, derive great uh, satisfaction from. And because I was kind of good at other things, but I didn't love doing them. And so this was the thing that really uh, spoke to me. And over the years, I've had the great pleasure of and the, the luck to be able to work in different mediums. And I have been able to compare them. And the human um, component of the theater in which you have a kind of relationship with an audience um, that is not impeded by any kind of equipment like a camera or anything like that is is super satisfying to me. I feel the audience's breathing and I feel they're, they're following the play or not following the play and I feel like I am an agent in their, directly an agent in their enjoyment or their lack of enjoyment of it. That responsibility feels huge and it feels uh, scary and it's also very satisfying when it goes well. And so riding the wave of being in a great play um, through the audience's response to it 
there's just it, it just there's no comparison to any of the other kind of work that I've been able to do. The the trade-offs are a kind of exposure that comes from working in film and television, which is absolutely essential to maintaining a career, right. and um, I enjoy that. And I have also enjoyed, you know, I just came from this um, big Hollywood movie premiere of a movie that I made. Yes, which is I've, about to which is about to open in a couple weeks, open, right? Yeah. This is Jurassic World. Oh shoot, what's the name of it? Fallen Jurassic World, Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. Thank yeah. you, I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. Fallen Kingdom, and, and, and that movie is, is I have such a, um, a, you know, I get a real kick out of being in that movie. So I'm not really down, putting it down at all. It just has a different kind of emotional component for me. Um, I don't feel, like I'm sitting in the movie, here's a perfect example. I'm sitting in the movie watching it with my family and loving it. And, it, and I hadn't seen it yet. And it turned out, it really honestly turned out great. It's a really oh, good. fun, um, it's a movie that, if you're a fan of that franchise, will not let you down at all. But the, what I'm feeling is the audience's enjoyment of it. But I'm separate from that mm -hmm. enjoyment. I'm enjoying it with them. Right. And I'm appreciating that I played a role in their enjoyment of it. If I say a line in the movie that gets a reaction, I do appreciate that. But I'm not directly hit, hitched to them, if you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I'm directly, I mean, and in this particular play, I'm... Um, I have the f good fortune and the scary task of actually speaking to the audience. Yeah. So you really do feel an, a connection to this audience from this play, playing this character, that is rare and, and really exciting to me. I mean, even in, in terms of the rest of the, the, the other cast members in our show, they're not even as connected to the audience as I am just because of their, their different roles to, that they're right. playing. And so I can come off stage and say, oh my goodness, uh, this is, I can describe the audience yeah. as if it has a personality in right. a way that they are less able to do so. And that's interesting to me. So I like parts like that in which you're able to do that. Right, yeah. Do you, are you aware of how what you do for screen work carries over, how you use that then on stage or vice versa? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is that when you're working in a really small house, those opportunities that you've, you, you have opportunities to use um, cinematic mm. kind of techniques that you wouldn't have in a bigger theater. Right, right. Um, the Orphan of Jazz was performed in really big theaters, uh, and Butterfly was my first Broadway play was performed in a big theater. Right. No amplification. Everything's kind oh, of oh, back in the day, no, yeah. yeah. And so it's it's kind of. A completely different thing. So here we are doing this play, emotional and funny play, that is the audience is sitting really close to you. And so you do have to kind of calibrate your performance uh, based upon the distance that the audience is, the proximity of the audience to you, sure. and your, your, your proximity to it. And that's fun to yeah. try to figure out. It takes you a long time to kind of figure it out. There were a couple of, you know, throughout the preview process, the director is calibrating the performances and making new choices and we're tweaking and changing things right before the opening and so one of the notes that I would be getting was um, you're speaking too softly in this scene or on this line you're speaking too softly and I'm going ah okay so I could I thought the audience could hear me when I said that right. so now I'm calibrating that equation to understand uh, how much how far down I can go how sure. far back I can pull back yeah. and that's part of the fun of creating it yeah and do 
going the other direction, is there are you in a is there an awareness of your sort of theater training and how that through your techniques specific to the theater that you use and yes, because what is what I've learned over the years that I'm I'm still learning and I'm still fascinated by is the the notion of the role that rehearsal plays in Mm -hmm. your performance. I'm coming back to do this play after doing a lot of television and doing um, some films. I realize that I don't. I rely on the normal rehearsal period in a film and a television show. And I really, it behooves one as an actor, in my opinion, to rehearse on their own separate. Because you rehearse a play for four weeks until an audience is sitting there and you know it backwards and forwards, or you hopefully know it as well as you can. You know, you get to know it better and better and better. But... It's completely. It's a completely different brain exercise. The other exercise in a television and film, particularly in television, which is shot very fast, is that you're memorizing on the spot, kind of, or very quickly, the night before, or or a couple weeks before, or something like that. You're memorizing it, and then you're self-directing a lot, Mm -hmm. and you are acting on the fly a lot and making choices based upon things that you're learning. On in the moment, like you walk onto the set and they'll say, "Oh, okay, so here's where the table is, and the computer that you practiced in your in your bedroom when you were practicing it isn't actually right here; it's way over there." Right. So then you're going, "Oh, okay, well that affects my performance in some way." In a t- in a stage in a play that would never happen, right. you have the computer there in front of you the whole time, and you're practicing it, and you're making details from your performance based upon the comfort of of that prop being right there um it's completely different and and what i well i guess what i'm saying and and to make a short short story long is that you you realize that going over something over and over and over again the way you do in a play is helpful to you in a movie Mm -hmm. and you don't get the opportunity to do that it won't happen naturally The, the, the director won't do this for you naturally the director may say to a couple actors you guys don't seem like you really know the lines why don't you run the lines a few times and that's about as far as it will go. <laughs> right. There are big, fancy movies that I have yet to actually be in, like movies with Meryl Streep and stuff like that where, in them, where, they where they're rehearsing and they're doing a lot of that. The Post, I'm sure they rehearsed a lot of things, you know, a lot of weeks of rehearsal. And, and, and I did one movie, um, not a very good movie, but it was one of my first movies called Family Business, which was a Sidney Lumet movie. Oh. And it was shot in New York and had Matthew Broderick and Sean Connery and Dustin Hoffman. All playing wow. three generations of the same family, which is a, which is, I'll tell you a little bit how that movie turned <laughs> out. But anyway, the the that movie was rehearsed you know, on a on a big rehearsal room where we would go from set to set, and he would say, "Okay, I want you to get a flow of how this movie kind of plays out." That's the only time I've ever done it. Right. Rehearsed a movie, and I really enjoyed it very much. But that's the difference. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of your TV work, you um, play, I think, one of the most intriguing characters on television in White Rose. I think uh, she's pretty amazing. Um, Thanks. For people, she's on Mr. Robot, um, and she is. Tell me if I'm describing her right. A trans woman who spends a lot of time masquerading as a very powerful and fairly sinister man. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, she's fairly sinister herself. I mean, she is. That's and true. Sinister, that's true. I, you know, those, those yeah, words are a, really a... kind of mean. I, I feel very protective of using words like that. They I use guess words... she's just mysterious, really, right? Yes, like... and she's... Uh, but she doesn't... She, what's the expression? She doesn't... 
hold back. Right. She's she's right. she's she'll do what it takes to make something happen that she wants to happen. Right. And so she's ruthless in a certain way, and she's she's devised rather brilliantly a kind of sense of protecting herself from her uh, the the consequences of her own actions by maintaining a mystery and be by being invisible actually right. to most people um and that that adds to her um mystique and her um her power i think did did you end up calling on your experience back in m butterfly to create white rose or are they completely different characters in your mind i did i did um i did um use i, I did um access at certain aspects of that. First of all, there are technical aspects of it. Like, you know, you have to do voice work. You have to kind of figure out where, where your voice is going to sit. Yeah. When you, when, as a character actor, you always have to kind of figure out where your voice is going to sit. And um, more than non-character actors who just kind of speak as themselves. And so this was a character that it behooved me to figure out how she spoke. And I did find myself... Because your your instrument, your, vo- your musical, your vocal instrument is limited by your own um, uh, uh, physiology, your own yeah. anatomy, sure. you, you, you know, there, will, there, will, there are going to be times when I'm going to access a certain as, uh, part of my voice, and it's going to sound similar to the way that she sounded it back in, in Butterfly. So there was definitely that. And, uh, so, yeah, so there was. You know, it was, it's a very different person. And um, and yet there are similarities because of the the gender thing and mm-hmm. and and that um, so that so I, I guess what I would say is that I felt that it was a valuable experience to have had yeah. coming to this and I was really happy that it was a long period of, it was three decades spread between these two parts yeah so that it gave me a real sense of enjoyment doing it um, and I didn't feel like I was repeating myself or. Um, and even if I was repeating aspects of things as I have described to you in, in a small way, it felt fresh to me because it was a new context. It was I, I'm a completely different person now, and I feel much more confident about um, kind of owning something like that than I used to. Um, and you are still involved in Gotham, I'm assuming. I still? am. Yeah, yeah, I did. I yeah. mean, um, I you know, Gotham is very also uh, Mr. Robot and Gotham, and a lot of TV shows now are very. Um, Spoiler phobic, you know yeah, they don't sure. want to tell anybody anything. Uh, and Sam is in particular, including you, right? Like they don't want to. <laughs> my whole thing with Sam in the very first couple seasons was I just felt I was in the dark the whole time, and he was just kind of spoon feeding me little tidbits to get me to to act a certain way for him, you right. know. And I found that maddening. Mm-hmm. I really trusted him, and grew to trust him more and more, and I trust him now implicitly. Right. But it was really challenging for me. Because he'd say, well, you should be more emotional. And I'd go, wow, well, that's come? really hard for yeah. me to just cry for no reason. Like, I need to know why. I mean, I need yeah. to know what that means. And can you tell me why? No, I can't really. So I, wow. I've had a trouble trouble a couple of times, but it was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so Gotham and... and, and um, Gotham, which for people who don't know, is a uh, Batman show. Um, well, I mean... It's not exactly a prequel to Batman, but it is set well, in Gotham. It is a, when a, what Bruce they call Wayne is a child, origin right? story. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. an origin story about of Batman and how Batman his 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 life as a child before becoming Batman. And you are Hugo Strange, who is can we call him a mad scientist? Does that he's a mad scientist? Yeah. yeah, he's a mad scientist who is in, you know he's I I seem to have this mad scientist kind of vibe that people think <laughs> I, yeah, I'm right? really good at or something. What is that about you? Do you think? <laughs> 
I think it's because these parts are the most interesting parts. I think right. they're really, really interesting people. They're really tasty, and they require mm. people that have fun with that kind of thing, yeah. and and all of that. Anyway, they're the spoil. Just to get back to the question, that the spoilers oh, yeah. are are rampant, and you know that they, they don't want. Sorry, the the uh, the their desire to keep things from being spoiled sure. is so strong is what i mean that i don't know much of anything right and so i just kind of go when they call me in um and so you're in the great leap through the 24th of yes. june and yes. then what's on your plate after that i mean you've got these two shows for one thing i have a movie that i did for netflix coming out oh. uh called the bird uh it's called bird box mm. um it's uh got um it stars sandra bullock John Malkovich and Travante Rhodes. Wow. Um, and it's really great. And it's a kind of, if you can believe it, it's a dystopian present um, alien zombie <laughs> kind of sci fi thriller action movie. Sold. It's great. Sold. That sounds it, really it's fun. Great. Yeah. And, um, and when does that when does that come out? Do you know? It comes out in the fall. In the fall. Uh, okay. My understanding was that. Um, uh, Sandra Bullock had to open Ocean's 8 before she could open that one. Sure. So this one's Ocean's 8 is opening and playing out. And so I think it's going to be more like August or something like that. Right. Uh, but I don't know for sure. And um, then Mr. Robot is shooting in the fall. Mm-hmm. And I and I have a lot my, You know, I one of the things that I'm really into these days is my own projects, my own yeah. writing and my own... Um, yeah, that was actually my next question. You wrote a memoir, I know, and um, yeah. you're doing some other writing stuff it sounds like tell yeah me, i've been writing with a, with a writing partner i've been i've written two musicals and yeah. the, the first one is probably i i mean knock wood i shouldn't be speaking before it's actually announced but it's su- su- supposed to be getting its first production next year excellent and here in new york or elsewhere or uh, have no, you said outside. too much yeah <laughs> no uh, not in new york though. right yeah okay and and that's just great for to be a writer and to have your play your show produced is a dream, you know. So, um, can you tell us I'm anything gonna, more about that, or do you not want to? I can tell you that it is the musical adaptation of a beloved '90s movie. All right, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> and that's all I can tell you because if I say so, then and it doesn't happen for some reason, then that would be bad. No, for that's me. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. Last question, very important question, which is how do you how do you prefer to? You took the name BD, as I understand it, for and Butterfly, right? I did, yeah. um, and you've been called BD ever since. Is I that have, right? Yeah. And do you prefer? I mean, your name is Bradley Daryl. Yes? yes, that's right. Um, and uh, do you ever miss Brad? Do you still get called Brad? Who, how do you prefer to be called? I prefer to be called BD. Okay. And I prefer to be called BD only because I feel like a person should have one name. I took oh. the name. The producer came to me and said, would you take the gender out of your name for the program? And I said, yes, that would be great. And he, he suggested B, calling myself B. And my dad's nickname was BD mm. when he grew up. Oh. I found old, um, just recently found old photo albums in which he'd written BD, B-E-E-D-Y, which is his funny being funny because his right. name really, his initials right. really were BD. Same name? Same no, no. BD. Okay. Uh, yeah. he, he was William, but he mm. went by Bill. And oh. then his Chinese name, Duck, was okay. Chinese So BD, yeah. 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 But he wrote B-E-E-D-Y. Right. And, and I said to Stuart Ostro, the producer, well, you know, my dad's nickname was BD, so I think if you could call me BD, that would be great. And I was kind of proud to do that, take yeah. that on. And then... I was just in, was going to be Brad after that, you know. Right. I thought it was just for that play, and it just stuck. And it, and then it, then it was there was there was this kind of tension awkwardness where people call you 
things because they think they're supposed to or they want to get to know you better so they call you the name that they think is more familiar to you and right. I didn't like that at all. I didn't <laughs> like that tension. So right. I just said, everybody call me one thing, please. That would be great. My mother, she calls me both things. Well, but she's your mother. She can yeah, get she, away she, with it, right? I mean, that's that, you know, fun. gets a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and every once in a while, I mean, even my nieces and nephews call me Uncle BD. Um, sometimes my son, who just mm. turned 18, is yes. a sassy teenager, Uh-oh. likes to say Brad... Up from across the room, he loves that in exactly and, that tone. Oh I yeah, hope. yeah, yeah. Like when when he's trying to get my attention in a in a in group and trying to kind of possibly embarrass me. Um, and that's he's can he's as far as I'm concerned can do whatever he wants. Sure. Um, and so, but there are very few. There's there's sometimes. I, well, to be honest, really brutally honest, I think in super intimate, vulnerable situations, I don't mind being called Brad. Right. But for now, I'll thank BD for yes, being here. Yes. <laughs> Thanks Even for the being nature here, of our relationship. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. It was great talking Thanks to you. Thanks very much. Thanks, I enjoyed BD. it. Thanks. Yeah. That was BD Wong, now starring in The Great Leap at the Atlantic Theatre Company through June 24th. In the coming weeks on Stagecraft, I'll talk to the creative team of the new Go-Go's musical, Head Over Heels, as well as Zachary Quinto of Boys in the Band. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.